Welcome to Teachings in the Air. air, air. Teachings in the Air podcast with Jerry Oldman. Coming to you from Hunkaminam Territory with a podcast series about Indigenous men's health and wellness. We aim to inspire, motivate, and empower Indigenous men to be sound in mind, body, and spirit because that's what health means. This is Teachings in the Air with Jerry Oldman. Today's podcast is called Paradise. And I started out this podcast with a song that I call The Protection Against Negativity. You know, we're living in a time that's a challenge to all of our lives. We are now in unprecedented times because of the pandemic. We are now in isolation in our homes and communities all over the world. And we do not have any idea of how long this is going to last. There are people out there that are guessing, that are trying to figure it out. When can we go back to work? When can life be as it used to be? We are now all facing new challenges in our lives. The main one, of course, is the virus. That's a big challenge. You know, we don't want to be infected. We don't want to pass it and share it with our relatives because it can kill. 
And the other challenge that we're facing now is that this virus is forcing us to be together in our families or trapped by ourselves in our houses if we're living alone 24-7, 24 hours, seven days a week. Before this, we were working, going to school, volunteering, you know, recreating, moving about freely around the country, in our community, in the world even. We were out there, moving around. So the goal of this podcast is to promote personal growth and development, to promote that we start to, or we continue, and maybe even more so, work on developing our minds, keeping our minds stimulated, gaining new knowledge, new skills by using our mind. That we take care of our body, that we exercise our body and we be careful of what we put into our body. We keep ourselves limber and fit at this time that we pay special attention to our body daily. And when we take care of our mind and our body, our spirit is going to be good. We are going to have this incredible will to live and to survive regardless of what's going on around us. Our spirit will be strong. We will have no quit in us. We will be creative with our lives and how to help one another, how to help ourselves that our spirit will lead us to be kind and compassionate to others, that we have patience with others and with ourselves too, that we be patient with ourselves and we be kind to ourselves, that we don't beat ourselves up in our own mind, that we grow strong that way, that we develop our mind, our body, and spirit every day, and that also another goal is to prevent harm in your household or with your family and friends. That we don't go to those places. Because we can do it over the phone or the internet or someone in our own space. We can harm them with words or physically or even with a look or an action. So... Part of this podcast is also to encourage people to strengthen their relationships. And I talk to people, and some of them are. They're saying, this, in a way, this has been a good thing for me. Our relationship is being stronger because we have to sit down and talk to one another. We, we need to work things out. So that is... Uh, a goal for me in doing this podcast, not only for you, but for me too. You know, when I write these things and I think on meditate and what I'm going to say, it all makes sense to me for my own life, and I wanted to share it with you and whoever is listening out there about paradise, about how we create paradise. And I guess the probably the most... I wouldn't even say important, but serious goal of this podcast 
that we all be safe from the virus, that we do the distancing, you know, we do the isolation, but we learn to do it in a good way, in a way that we grow and develop as individuals and family and friends. So I'll be talking about our way of life again, as usual, about our way of life before contact or even early on in contact, how we lived as all one. We were all one. Then I'm going to talk about the new way, but in this new way I'm going to be talking about the good and the bad. You know, and of course, I'll talk about how to make our homes paradise. That's my goal, paradise. You know, our way, our way of life before, I believe it was a harmony way, the beauty way of life. That, you know, we would live together in our spaces and our tradition, you know, where trust and respect were, you know, there were a requirement for us to live together. You know, we lived in our dwellings, like Sheishkin, where I'm from, is a winter dwelling, a permanent dwelling. that We built them, and they didn't have rooms in them. So there we all living like in a, like, I guess, similar to the teepees. They're round, you know, and they're peaked at the top. Like we're living in a, Pyramid, you know, and I've I've slept in a Sheishkin. I've slept in a teepee. I've slept in a longhouse, and it is all good. You know, it seemed to be we're more friendly to one another in those kind of spaces, in those traditional spaces. There was harmony there. There was working together. You know, it was uh, everyone put into those houses and we lived that way. That teaching is if you, when you take out, make sure you put back in. You just don't be a taker. Because we could all see each other and we're all in each other's space and we're in each other's face. And for us to live that way, we needed to think about respect and generosity and harmony. Everyone pitched in with the chores. Pack wood, pack water, you know, do all of those things. You know, the, that life, when I think of it, I think it was paradise. In those times, we accepted authority of the elders or the ones that carried the voice of reason. Those are the ones that had the right to give orders. When we were listening to someone that was reliable and trustworthy and compassionate, we would listen. No rebellion. They had the right to make decisions when we're going to do this, when we're going to do that, what we're not going to do. And these ones also could enforce obedience. In the sense, they're the police. They would watch us, and if we're doing something wrong, they could find a way to bring us back to the circle. Because if you're disobedient, you're leaving the circle. You're leaving that circle. 
and we must find a way to bring you back in. And that's what the elders would do, or the ones with authority. These ones earned that authority. They just didn't take it. The families had confidence in these ones because of their knowledge and because they were reliable. They understood this whole world of human emotion and feelings and how to help people with their feelings when they were struggling and with themselves. They were role modeling by living that way of life. And I think of the new way that we're all living on now, all of us. You know, the good things about it, and I was thinking about it, is that elements are not a threat to us. You know, usually, you know, all of us have running water, electricity. You know, that uh, those are good things. You know, we can hook up our computers, our music systems, you know, turn on the lights we can see, you know, TV, you know, uh, turn the handle and water comes running out, hot or cold. We can cool it off if it's too hot or we can warm it up if it's cold. Those are some of the good things about this new way. We cook, you know, just turn the dial, press a button. Those are good. What could be bad about this? And the way I see it is we end up with pent-up energy. Because as human beings, we have this energy to survive. That's how we were built to be. So we were built to go out to pack water, to cut wood, to go fishing, to go hunting, to pick berries, to pick roots, you know, to feed ourselves. And that requires energy. So all of a sudden, we don't have to cut wood. We don't have to pack water or go hunt the deer or the fish or the grouse. We just go to the store. So I feel with this pent-up energy, we get bored. We get susceptible to boredom. And we become idle and listless and restless. Because I feel inside of us, we know our body wants to do something, wants to move. Our mind wants to create something because our mind is, uh, they say it's a wonderful, better than any computer. It has a capability of creation, of doing things beautiful, of making things, of finding way, problem solving, being active in our minds, in our body. The other good thing about this life today, and I was thinking it was about the food You know, I've had food from all over the world. I've had pineapples, you know, and fruit that I'd never had before. I remember as a child, the first time we had oranges, my dad was working for the electric company that put in a dam in our area to make electricity for Vancouver. And he worked for this company And they would have, um, they would feed them. And they would, they would get food that we never seen. It got so we'd go running when our dad's coming up to the house and we'd go running to meet him because we, we know that usually he's going to have something for us. And once it was oranges, 
I remember that tasting that orange and how juicy it was, you know. <laughs> Holy cow, it was something to look forward to. You know, so we had all, we have all kinds of food that we never had before. Spices. That's good. You know, and um, the bad part of this is that um, somehow all the food started to have too much salt and sugar in it, which is hard in our body, weight flour. They say our pancreas takes a beating from all the sugar and salt that we eat, that we consume. So we get hooked on the junk food, we become junk food junkies. Chocolate bars, chips, pop, greasy hamburgers, fries, you know, deep fried everything, you know, too much oil and stuff, you know. And, uh, so I feel today, and I realized this over the years, that I was overfed and undernourished. That's why it is easy for me to keep eating. Because my body was asking for nourishment, but I was eating food with what they call empty calories. It was junk. So that's a bad thing about today and today's food. Is there's a the bad negative side of it. And that um, there are people that push that on us and people get addicted to it. So food, there's good and bad about it. And the other good thing about today's life, and I was thinking about this podcast, was entertainment in hand. I got a tablet for my stepson, and uh, I can read books on there that I can get off the internet. I can watch YouTube videos on music or teachings. You know, it's all in my hand, on my phone, my iPhone. I got all this entertainment. I can communicate with people across the country. So I have that entertainment in hand. You know, and I, I was saying, like, my dad and them, at the time I got that um, transistor radio and I'm listening to music, and he says, we entertained each other. We'd walk down the road singing songs for each other. He says, and some of us learned to play guitar and violin and different instruments, and I imagine they do traditional songs, and, you know, they entertained each other. So the bad thing I see about what's going on now is that we are losing connection to each other. We're not connected in a way, you know, that where you sit down and have a cup of tea with someone and talk about your life and feel good after your talk. About your worries or about the good things, you know, just sharing with each other at that level. I remember when I was a young man and I was living with my brother in Vancouver, my oldest brother, who I adored and worshipped as a boy. I got to live with him. And he created a paradise for us. 
I was an apprentice painter, and I wasn't making very much money, and I was living in a dive hotel at 50 bucks a week. And I was barely making it, you know, as an apprentice painter. And he came, he, he was working on Vancouver Island, and he got a job in Vancouver and Burnaby, I think. And he says, yeah, I'm going to move to Vancouver. You want to live with me? And I said, um, Bill, that's all I got is my little suitcase, and my, that's all I have. And he was a real wonderful man. He says, I didn't ask you what you have. I asked you if you want to live with me, <laughs> you know. I said, oh, yes, I would. But I just wanted to let you know I don't have anything. He says, don't worry about it. He says, uh, I'll let you know when we have the place. So we'd meet for supper every once in a while. And a couple of weeks goes by, and he says, yeah. He says, I found a place for us to live. And he gives me a key. He says, you go up there on Friday, and um, 14th and Main, and there's, he gave his address on 14th. Avenue, and so I go up there with my little, I had a leather suitcase, a doctor's bag, they called it. That's all I had. And I go in, and he's sitting in there in the kitchen. He gets up, and he says, okay, come, and he shows me, and he says, this is your room. And there's a bed and a chest of drawers there. He says, that's yours. That's for your clothes. That's your bed. And there's blankets and sheets and pillow. Got to keep them clean. He's come on into the kitchen. I go to the kitchen. And he says, okay, I'm the cook. You're the dishwasher. And you sweep the floors. You can do your own laundry. I'll do my own. But that's how it is. He was the authority. And I did not disobey him because he was reliable and trustworthy and what they call empathetic. He understood feelings. Oh, it was like a blessing. It was like paradise. Coming from that $50 a week room, just a bed in there and a sink, no toilet, no shower, common shower and toilet with these people that were poor like me. You know, I would sit in the street in the nighttime. There's no radio or TV in my room or anything. So when I got to my brother's place, and um, it was like paradise. Food was good. Atmosphere was good. And he taught me how to keep it clean and tidy. He was a very organized man. So, you know, that's what I mean when we lose connection. One of my teachers, I call him my teacher, maybe he doesn't even know it, but he's um, Dr. Brokenleg. said he was, he done a study, he done a paper, like he said, he does a paper every year, he's a scholar. So to do that, you do your study, you research. And he said what he'd found out was that they were finding out in the world that the average amount of listening and talking between a mother and the child was five minutes a day. And for the father, it was 90 seconds. 
because of the way we live, the work that we do, somebody else's education, educating the kids, you know, there's, um, both parents are working, you know, and he says, uh, the, what's coming down the road for those ones is that they're going to have a hard time to live in a lived-in relationship. They'll have a hard time to connect. Even now, it's uh, some of my relatives, it's easier to text than to talk to each other. You know, and it's, uh, that's what I say, the entertainment and hand, there's good with it. But the bad is that we have become disconnected from one another on a different level. You know, that warm, good feelings of sitting down together and having a talk or playing games together. You know, rather than sitting in front of a game or a TV screen. You know, that where we get together and laugh and enjoy each other and tease each other and do things like that together. And this past Christmas, uh, stepchildren come. So one of the things we wanted to do, and it was, I think, negative 21 or something in Manitoba, and my wife said, we're going to have an outdoor fire and we're going to have s'mores, you know, toasted marshmallows and, you know, <laughs> how to make a s'more. And I said, okay, I have a fireplace out there and I got birch wood and oak wood. So I went out to make the fire. And then they all come out, you know, wearing parkas and had chairs and were toasting marshmallows over the fire. And it's cold, but and it's night and we could see the stars. And uh, one of them says, let's play charades. So, <laughs> you know, movies, book, you know, you do that charade about that and... Uh, so there we were laughing and outside around the fire. Oh, it was good. Laughing and, you know, being creative. It was so good. It's like paradise, you know. So I have a suggestion for you when you, I'll make later on about what you can do what I've done and I've suggested to people when they try to break away from the entertainment in hand. And because that is, a, that's a tough, these are tough to break, I know it. You know, to be constantly looking at your phone, your tablet or your iPad or your computer. It's a tough one, it's become part of our life. And I'm not, that's why I said I'm going to talk about the good and the bad with a new way. So now I'll move on to like we're, where we're going to live like we are all one, the way our people were, all one. Lived a life of supporting one another, supporting each other to be successful human beings that we find our gift and that we use it to help the people. 
we find our gift of it's to be entertainers, to be storytellers, to be musicians. You know, we had those in the past. We had entertainers. That it was their main job, but they'd also participate in the food gathering and doing stuff. But their specialty was entertainment. That was their gift. And we all supported each other in that. Or if you were a builder, that you can build the sheishkin, you can carve the canoe, you can do those things. You were supported to do that. So when we live like one, we support each other and our dreams, what you want to do. We support each other and we encourage each other to follow that dream. We listen and talk to one another when we're all one. We, when someone's speaking, we listen and we look at the person while we're listening. I see, and when I, you know, and the bad thing about entertainment at hand, I see people talking to one another, and there's someone, you know, on their phone. So they're not really listening. They've exited, even though they're sitting right there. You know, so to listen and to talk to one another, we become one. And we share the chores. Somebody cooks, you do the dishes. And if somebody beats you to the cooking and the dishes, you do the floor. If somebody beats you to that, there's more than four, three of you, the other one does the laundry. Find something to do to put in. When you take, in, take out, you put back in. When you're living with people. Share the chores, share the, getting the food, preparing the food, keeping the place nice like paradise, taking care of your space. Because we all are living in this space. And now we cannot leave the space like we used to. So it's a good time for us to start to plan this to make our lives like we're living in paradise. Paradise actually refers to the park that royals would have, you know, or the Garden of Eden, you know, a special, beautiful place, ideal, the ideal place to live. So we can do that with even over the tiniest space. You know, I got... Um, the message about create, making your home into paradise, like I was saying, from Spain. That's what uh, the people that came to Spain from the Moors, you know, from the Arabs that came. There was water in Spain, and the desert water was precious to them. So they'd make sure there was water, fountains in their gardens, in their home. They'd fix it so water would flow through there. And they would put beautiful designs on the walls and, and marble and tiles and carpets. And their whole intent was to make their home paradise. And a wonderful place to live with one another. And that really impressed me. 
And I realized that us too were like that. When you go and you look at the dwellings and you look at the longhouses and they got carved posts, welcome figures, they have beauty in their dwelling. On their implements, on their paddles, on their, you know, the handle of their knife, they got a carving, you know, they make it beautiful. They make it attractive. That's a that's a good paradise. So the thing to do is to plan your life together. Sit down and have a family a circle or a sharing circle with who's in your dwelling. And develop a schedule around work, rest, and recreation. The work, if you can't go out to work, you know, work on something with your hands, with your mind, write, do art, make things, do some kind of work, phone somebody, volunteer doing something. Keep yourself busy that way and have a schedule of time to do that. Have a schedule time to recreate, to have fun do board games, do the, all of those things together, yoga together, stretching, you know. Do things together. Schedule the time for that. Schedule the amount of time. I've told people that I've talked to on the phone, I said, now's the time for you to learn your language. I think I, I said it also on the podcast, you know. Phone your auntie who speaks a language and put your phone on speakerphone and... Um, have 20, even 20 minutes a day of language lessons and we'll get our language back. I often thought of paradises when we all spoke the language. We all sang the same music, danced the same way. I thought of that as paradise. And it was. But we can recreate that today. So we make a schedule on rest, work, and recreation. So when you want to do the work and the rest and some of the recreation, you need to get away from the handheld entertainment, like TVs and stuff. I tell people when you're going to do something and you want people to concentrate on what you're doing, cover the TV with a blanket. Because I will always go towards the TV. It's usually what people do when they walk in the room, they turn on the TV. Cover the computer, you can't see it, the tablet, the phone. Then do your activity together. Remember that being healthy means to have a strong mind, body, and spirit. And to do that, we must train our mind, train our body, so our spirit will be good. So training takes all forms. And the good thing about it today is a lot of it, you can get on your handheld entertainment too, you know, like I do karate and I forgot how to do this one kata. So I looked it up on YouTube and there it was. Then I turned it off, then I can do it, cover up my computer. I do the kata. 
and is good for my mind and my body. Keep me limber. Keep having some internal strength. And the other part of this paradise is that it protects you, you and your family, that you're safe. Because when your house is clean, the germs don't thrive as much. Keep it clean, keep it tidy, keep it safe. You know where everything is. Everything works when you, when you want it to work. One of the jobs, for instance, when I say work, rest, and recreation, one of the jobs is someone can be sharpening the knives every once in a while. So when a cook cuts, cuts just like that, you know, just so. You know, and um, we need to think safety. You know, and embrace that, the danger of this virus, how dangerous it is, that we can't see this virus. And its main job is to get inside our body so that it can flourish, it can grow, it can multiply. Then the other part of its job is to spread to other humans. And that's where we, in our paradise, make sure it doesn't get into our paradise. So we're really careful and we go out into the world now because we don't know who's carrying it. We stay six feet away from them. For the safety of the ones living in our household, the elders and the children. For you, for all, all of us. We protect our family and our house. And that way we make sure there's a future. You know, tomorrow's going to be better. And tomorrow, there's so many tomorrows coming. You know, to, to get there, we, we bring out our inner strength that we all have. And remember, that we can change ourselves. Each day we wake up, we can change our mind. And we can give, when we live like this, our children have hope. They see us never giving up. They see us constantly looking for new knowledge to help the family, new ways to help ourselves and to help each other. And we work at being family at being one. You know, to continue to have dreams. Dreams of what we want to do as a family, what we want to do as an individual, what we want to see and hear and what we want to do. That's our reason to live, is to find our gifts and to share our gift with other human beings to help others, to encourage others, to recognize when they're suffering and also when they're doing good and acknowledge them for it. Raise them up and thank them for what they're doing. 
you know, and we keep our house safe. Reminds me, and my late mother was telling me, she's talking about the Sheishkins, the winter dwellings that were halfway under the ground, you know, provided perfect insulation from the elements. I heard that there was massive Sheishkins, like, almost like a community hall. They were so big. They'd work together and they would make those. But the family dwellings weren't that big. My mom said, "What to keep it safe, they would go get the juniper berries, these purple berries that are hard. They'd pick a basket full and they would spread it all around the edge of the Sheishkin outside to keep the spiders and other kinds of insects away. I was thinking, wow, they had always a protector house. Sometimes, or whenever I have a gathering in my house, I hang um, cedar branches and eagle feather above the entrance. It's meant to brush away the negativity from the people coming in so we can have a good time. You know, we, we start to ask, how do we protect our space? How do we purify our space? Because space can have negativity in it. People get angry in the house and hurt somebody. You know, we have to clean the ener- that energy out of the space because that energy is real. It comes out in our words when we holler at somebody in anger and throw things around and do stuff. We must get rid of that energy out of our paradise. Moving out. People come in, smudge out the house, or use cedar branches, or use our medicines to purify the space again. So it becomes paradise again. So we find ways to make our house beautiful and to keep it safe and to have it feel nice. I once described a perfect house as the beautiful mother because the mother nourishes you, feeds you, protects you, you know, holds you and you feel loved and protected. That's a good way to make our house, to put it in our mind that our house is going to be like that, that kind of paradise. And the other part is when we do this, as a group in our dwelling, then we share this with other people. When it's safe and they come to our house, they feel that feeling and they want to be there. They enjoy being there. You know, and um, now I remember stories about how our people shared their wealth, because our wealth used to be food, canoes, things that we build with our own two hands. That was our wealth. Deer skins, bear robes, you know, all of those things, our wealth, and we'd share it. One of the stories about sharing with my mother told me, 
as the little girl, she remembered. The whole community would go up in the mountain behind our village, probably before it was a reserve. They'd all go there in September, and the men would hunt mule deer and grouse, and the women and children would be picking blueberries, or we call them huckleberries, but they're blueberries, usha, and they would dry them. Into, she said they, they would dry them to the like sort of like making um, fruit leather, but it'd be dried in such a way that they'd be flat, like a cake. She says, maybe two or three inches thick, and you know maybe a foot by a foot or something like that, so they can stack them, and they would be drying these berries and drying the meat as it comes in. But she says when they got to camp, they would, someone would put out a big, um, I'd say tarp, but they didn't have tarp, so it must be skins sewn together. Then everyone would put the food that they brought onto that and it was a community food. Then there would be cooks, while the men were hunting and the women and children were picking berries, the cooks would be fixing the food for the people. That was living a life where we are all one. No one would go hungry. Everyone would have, when they're leaving, they'd divide up the food. So everybody had food. Or the winter. <laughs> my mother was telling me that story, then my uncle, her brother, says at the end of her story. And when we left that camp and come back down to the our community, he says, you couldn't tell that we're camped there. No garbage, no plastic, no nothing. We left it just like we when we arrived. I said, my, that's paradise. You know, so I wanted to talk about paradise today because we can make our homes paradise. And when we make all make our homes paradise, our community becomes paradise. Then the world becomes paradise because it actually is. But we as human beings have disturbed it to such a level. You know, I've traveled, I've been so lucky I've traveled in England, you know, in Europe, Greece, Israel, Palestine, Istanbul, Norway. And the common things I've seen was plastic, blowing in the wind by the roads, plastic bags, cups, different things. And the other thing I seen was graffiti on the the trains, on the walls, everywhere I've seen that. 
And I was in um, Prague. And this tour guide was bringing us around and showing us the old castles, you know, European culture. And we seen the John Lennon wall there, and people can go and do graffiti on there, messages of peace and love, things like that. And she's talking about how, telling stories about it, how the people who painted white and they'd start over again. And we're walking along and we see the graffiti in some of the walls and the parks and stuff. And she said, see, there's people there. They, they, they don't know boundaries. It's really unfortunate. They go and do their art or what they call art anywhere. You know? <laughs> and I remember that's such a, way, a nice way of saying it. They have no boundaries. And I guess it's because they don't accept this as paradise. You know, so... I wanted, I've been thinking of this paradise and how we create our paradise. So I encourage you to do that, to put that thought in your head, our living space, regardless how big it is or what you have, it's going to become our paradise. We are going to make our paradise. And then we'll have harmony in the house will grow in our mind and our body and our spirit. We won't stop growing because of this virus. This virus is not going to beat us. Tomorrow will be better. You know, we are going to be strong and we're going to grow, we're going to refuse to stop developing ourselves and our children. They're going to have a clear mind. They're going to know what hope is all about. And they're going to know what growth and development is about. And they're going to know what success is, true success. Is that I feel good in what I have done? I have not hurt anyone? And that I'm part of this. We're all one. I don't hurt nature. I don't hurt human beings. I don't hurt myself. That's paradise. And I'm going to find ways to keep myself strong when I feel weak. Like I, I got songs that I sing. I got this one song that I sing when I feel I got to... My brother said he had, I phoned him and he said, I have a coronavirus blues, Jerry. He said, I was surprised because all of a sudden I want to be with people. And I understood him because I get that blues. I even had that blues before coronavirus come. I get the blues. So one of the ways for me to release it was to sing, hand drum sing. And there's that one song that would bring tears to my eyes, but it would dissolve that loneliness I was feeling or that depression. It would allow me to release it from my body and my mind. That one song. Or I'd go out for a run 
so I'd be sweating. I used to run and sweat in the summertime, sweat would be dripping off my fingertips. And that was medicine for me. I've learned to sit in silence and enjoy the silence. I've learned to sit in music and enjoy the music. It becomes my paradise. It's paradise when my wife's cooking and I can smell the beautiful food she's preparing. It's my paradise. So this is uh, something that's attainable for all of us. We have to put our mind to it. You could say, I am going to work with the ones in my house to make our dwelling paradise. You know to really think carefully what we're going to put on the wall, what kind of picture. Maybe I'll choose one or two or whatever. You know, like we have art in our walls. We, I, we buy little potteries and little things that are attractive and we put them. It's not cluttered. Some parts, sometimes I feel cluttered with my space, <laughs> but learn how to thin it down and how to make it nice. That's paradise, you know, and it's, um, like I say, it's attainable. We put our mind to it. We are what we think. And we think paradise, we start to go there, we start to make it. So we need to have the thought first. This is what I want in my life. This is what I want the children to have. Is because there's a good feeling with that. To feel organized. You know, there's no better feeling than to have healthy leadership that have that we give them authority. We gladly give it to them. And sometimes they have to work harder than us, but they like that. You know, they're born to be that. They make the decision, okay, we're gonna go out. But we're going to make darn sure we're six feet apart from everybody. We're not taking any chances. And we listen to that one. We're going to give some of our food to that old lady down the block. We're going to cook for her. And we're going to do it extra good. Because she's all by herself. You know, and we start to do that, we generate good feelings in ourselves. My brother and I cut wood for an old man. We split all his wood. Somebody delivered blocks of wood to him for the winter, the fall time. And my mother said, You guys go cut his wood for him and stack it up in his woodshed. And uh, because of uh, our lives, you know, we didn't know he was our relative, my brother and I. We go split his wood and stack it up in his woodshed. Do it all. And our mom says, you don't take money from that old man because he's our relative. Okay. We're supposed to do that. Oh, old man comes out with a cane. 
teary-eyed, and he's got $5. And he hey, boys, boys, come here. And he's got $5. And I said, sorry, we can't take that. You're our relative. We're supposed to help you. And he says, oh, good. You know, he's, you could see that he realized somebody's teaching us how to be as uchul meucha, as indigenous people. It's to help others. Be like the puslatch. The puslatch, I was told, means to give without charge, to be generous. When we live that generosity, life can be paradise, like paradise because people will give back to us. That's what I was told, and I believe that. When you give something, it goes away, and it comes sometimes. It's a big circle, but it comes back to you. It's like that time I made my first hand drum. Oh, you got to give it away. Oh, no, I don't want to, but I gave it away. Sure enough, people give me hand drums now, even today. Last hand drum was given to me, I was up in Fort St. James. We're gathered in a house sharing hand drum songs. Oh, it was a wonderful evening, and I... I didn't have my hand drum with me, and um, so there's this hand drum there, and I said, can I use that drum? And somebody says, go ahead. So I said, okay. So I picked it up, and I was sharing some tunes. And that drum suited my voice perfectly, because it's like any instrument, if it's too tight and high-pitched, I'd have to sing at a higher pitch. So it was this right for me. I said, and I told them that. I said, oh, this is a good drum for my voice. And this woman there, this young woman, she says, ah, you can have it. I said, no, no, it's all right. I got drums at home. I said, I just didn't want to carry it in a plane. No, 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 I want you to have it. So I know I can't refuse, so I say, oh, good, thank you. I'll treasure it. And I do, and I have that drum, and that's what I was using at the start of this podcast. See, she was part of paradise, the ideal place where we're generous with one another. We do things for one another in a good way. The saying that now brings tears to my eyes, and that generosity of that woman and I keep thinking I need to give back to her somehow. I don't even know her name. But I'll figure out a way. Because I'm in debt in an indigenous way. I do send prayers and energy that way. But to complete myself, I need to find a way and I need to do that. So I'll get a hold of the people that called me there and tell them, this story about this generosity, and then they'll know who it is. Then I've been thinking of what can I do? Maybe give a nice blanket, find something. So this paradise way of living is a beauty way. We create beauty around us above us, below us, everywhere. So when we get to tomorrow and we look behind us, 
what do we see? But we see beauty. If we destroy things around us and don't take care of them, when we get to tomorrow and we look behind us, what do we see? We see what we destroyed. So we work at the beauty, we create beauty around us, with the people around us, with our dwelling, with everything that we have. That's what I believe is the indigenous way. And to do it at your level, not at anybody else's expectation, but what makes you happy. Because we're all different. You know, some things disturb me, won't disturb you. And that's okay. We accept each other. So that's what I wanted to talk about today, and it's been on my mind, especially with this pandemic here. And pandemic means all the people. That's what the word pandemic means. So, I don't want all of us to have a virus. And I wanted to chip in to encourage you. Because I know when we get stressed out, sometimes we want to leave our house. Or we get do something harmful. And that's not good for us. But if we have paradise, we take care of it. So that's my message for you today in this podcast, and I just wish you all well and safety. And I'll be coming back at you with teachings in the air again, and uh, thank you for being there. Okay, bye-bye.